May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in Amen. This morning we heard the bulk of the 21st chapter of the Gospel according to John, the last chapter of John's book. The Bible has four different accounts of Jesus' life, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and John has always seemed to me like the author who really knows how to tell a story. John is the one who tells the story of the wedding at Cana where Jesus turns the water into wine. He tells the story of the woman caught in adultery with Jesus speaking that searing line of both justice and compassion. Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And then at the very end of the book, in the last chapter, John 21, we get this unique last set of resurrection experiences. John is the only one who tells us these stories. They are stories about the resurrected Jesus, and this is a story that John tells so well. I love the visual of the fishing disciples with a net so full that they cannot haul it into the boat. And then they return to the shore, and you can almost smell the fish broiling over the charcoal fire as Jesus invites them to come and eat. And then there's Peter. When Jesus asks him, Simon Peter, do you love me? And you can see the look of confusion in Peter's eyes as Jesus asks him that same question a second time. And then a third time. It's a great story, and John tells all these details of it so well, but it's not a story that is in any of the other Gospels. And frankly, it comes right after the crucifixion and the story of the empty tomb on Easter morning, these gigantic stories in our faith. So these stories that are tagged onto the last chapter seem like something of an afterthought. And some biblical scholars have argued that they might not be original to the book. It could be a chapter added by a later author. And so why read them? Why are these stories here? Why were they put there in the first place? What is their purpose? Tom Traeger is a professor at the Yale Divinity School. He posits that this final story is meant to be a reminder to us. A reminder of things that Jesus did throughout his ministry. It's there to be sure that we do not close the book when we are done reading and forget about these stories. This morning, I'm going to ask you all a few questions as we look at the story together. I'm going to tell you some of the things that happen in these stories and ask you if they remind you of any stories that you've heard before. And when I do that, please just Shout it out. Tell me what you remember. The first thing that happens in this story is that the disciples go out fishing and Jesus appears on the shore. The disciples are in a boat all night and they cannot catch a thing by themselves. But Jesus calls to them from the shore and gives them some guidance and suddenly there is more than enough for everyone to eat. 
When they bring the boat to shore and they join Jesus, he is preparing a meal and he gives them something to eat. Jesus gives them fish and bread. So here's the first question. In this story, Jesus feeds people. The disciples thought they had nothing, but suddenly there is more than enough. There is fish and there is bread. When have we heard this story before? And it... Come on, I can't hear you. The feeding of the 5,000. Thank you very much. Yes, we've heard this story before. Back in the days of Jesus' early ministry, the disciples were with him. A large crowd had gathered to hear him preach, and they were hungry. And all that they had was two fish and five loaves of bread, and somehow Jesus feeds them all. This story reminds us of that one. The same story from the end of John in chapter 21 is reminiscent of others as well. There are other little details sprinkled through these stories that remind us of Jesus' ministry. The disciples are in a boat together. They're in a boat together all the time in the Gospels. They're in a boat when Jesus stills the storm and when he walks to them on the water. Jesus often uses the common things that appear in this story, bread and water to remind people of God's love and how easy it is to find God's love if only we are looking for it. There is a reason why we remember Jesus using bread and water at the communion table and the baptismal font. These are things that you can find all over the place. They are common elements of human experience meant to remind us of God's love if we look for them. The idea of repeating these themes and these storylines at the end of the Gospel of John is to remind us that Jesus' work is not over. The things that he did in his ministry are not supposed to come to an end when we're done reading the story. In the last several weeks here in worship, we read stories about Jesus' death, which seems very much like an ending, and about his resurrection, which of course has nothing to do with us. There's nothing that we can do to raise someone from the dead. And stories like these of death and resurrection might have a way of convincing us to close the book and to consider that this story has come to its resolution. There is nothing left for us to do. So this last chapter is meant to remind us that our work is not over. There is still much to do to carry on the stories Jesus told throughout his ministry. There are more details in this story that are worth noticing and that recall other parts of Jesus' ministry. One is that the disciples are unable to fish until Jesus tells them to cast their nets onto the other side. Jesus has to teach the disciples how to fish. So here's the next question. Where have we heard another story about Jesus teaching the disciples to fish? Jesus teaching the disciples how to fish. He finds some fishermen one day out in a boat. He says to to them, come with me and I will make you... Thank you. I will make you fish for people. Yes, of course. Come and follow me. Jesus is in the business right from the beginning of the Gospels of teaching the disciples how to fish, how to follow him. 
We need guidance from Jesus if we're going to be able to carry out his work. We cannot do it on our own. There are other details that reinforce the same point. At first, in this story, the disciples do not recognize Jesus. Just like Mary and Peter and the disciple that Jesus loved in the resurrection appearances at the tomb, there the disciples do not recognize Jesus. Without his help, they cannot see the way that they are supposed to. We are reminded that for us to follow Jesus, we need to be humbled and reminded of our helplessness, our need for Jesus. We can't do it all on our own. We have blind spots. We don't see things as we should. Back on Palm Sunday, we said these words as part of our opening to worship. In that that week, right before people lead Jesus to his crucifixion, we said together, as we are called into worship today, it is sobering to remember that when when God appeared on earth in the person of Jesus... Most of the world did not recognize him, and therefore did not worship him. Today we ask for faith that will open our eyes to see Jesus for who he is. This inability to recognize Jesus, it happens over and over again in the Gospels. This inability to understand what he's trying to teach us. When we read that the disciples again did not recognize their very good friend when he was standing on the seashore, we are meant to be reminded of the blind spots in our own lives, the ways we are not following as we should. There's another aspect of that meal on the shore that they share in John 21, one that deserves some attention. The clue for this story is a rather simple one. Jesus invites the disciples to a meal, and he feeds them bread. And that reminds us of what story? The Last Supper, yes, yes. Jesus invites them to a meal, he gives them bread. It reminds us of the Last Supper. Consider this for a moment. You might have referred to that story in plenty of ways, because when we read it in the Gospels, it's not called the Last Supper. You might have called it the story about the upper room, or you might have talked about it in the ways that we celebrated in worship, calling it the Lord's Supper, or Communion, or the Eucharist. But instead, you all called out the Last Supper, the thing that we have often come to call this in our tradition. And that is exactly the idea that Jesus is testing, is challenging here on the seashore. It was not the Last Supper. For those who mean to follow Jesus, the feast goes on. That night before the crucifixion in the upper room, Jesus gave them a new commandment. He said, love one another as I have loved you, so you also must love one another. By this people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And then Jesus gives them the bread and the wine, and he says to them, Do this in remembrance of me. Do this. It's not the last time. It was never meant to be the last time. Jesus' presence with the disciples on the beach is meant to challenge any notion at the end of John's Gospel that we can close the book and move on. 
Jesus' ministry is a story we are called to continue living. And every time that we come to the table as we are doing today, it is our privilege to keep that feast going in the world. There's one last reference in this morning's story, one I want to tell you about. This one is really quite beautiful and helpful. Helpful if you have ever felt inadequate or weak in your faith. Helpful if you have ever worried that the mistakes of your past are going to haunt you forever. Because here Jesus corrects that idea. Jesus asks Peter, who he called Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter answers yes. And Jesus tells him, feed my sheep. And then, Jesus asks him the same question a second time. And then, Jesus asks him the same question a third time. And Peter gets to answer it each time. And so I ask all of you, one more question. What other story involving Peter talks about something that happens three times? The denial. Yes. The day before Jesus is crucified, Jesus deny, or Peter denies knowing him not once, but three times. And once Jesus is crucified, once the cock crows and he realizes that he has done this, Peter must live with that. He abandoned Jesus in his hour of greatest need. So it is no small thing that here at the very end of the story, Jesus invites Peter to make it right. Jesus gives Peter the chance to reclaim his loving friendship with Jesus. And he invites him to do it in spoken word, not one time, but three times, to make it absolutely sure that they remember what has happened and it has been forgiven. And furthermore, Jesus says to Peter, feed my sheep. And then once he has said it three times, he says at the very end of the reading, follow me. Because this is a clear call for Peter to tend the other followers of Jesus, to continue ministry in Jesus' name. It is as if Jesus says, do not think, Peter, that there is ever anything that you can do that is unforgivable. Accept this chance to start over again. And go and tell others of the love and justice and forgiveness that were the wonder of my life. You are still able to do that. Peter gets another chance. And so do we. So in this simple, well-told story, we are reminded of many things that Jesus' life is not to be forgotten, not a book to be closed. We are still called to follow. We are still taught to fish. We are still offered forgiveness. 
And as we gather this morning, we are called to eat and drink together in remembrance of him, not just of a last supper, but as a feast that we keep here as a community and as we go out into the world so that we will never forget